Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We are currently in week number four of our series, Chasing Carrots, the Endless Pursuit of More. You guys saw that little hamster running the wheel, chasing after that carrot. You just want to dance to the song. I mean, I did, but maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. But um, the endless pursuit of more. And in this series, what we're addressing really is this lie that if I just had more of that, Whatever that is for you, whether it's success, whether it's money, whether it's um, people's approval, whether, whether it's comfort for you, whether it's fame, if I just had more of that, then I would be happy. Then I would be fulfilled. Then I would feel like my life is worth something. But it's a lie, and, we're, and we're, we have this picture of chasing carrot where it's like the carrot that's hanging from the fishing pole, and it's stuck to the back of the, you know, the horse or whatever, the donkey, and they just keep on walking. But what they don't know is that they're never going to actually be able to reach that carrot that's out in front of them. And so we're handling the issues like that, and uh, this month we're dealing with that lie that if I have more of that, if I have more of that, then I'm going to be happy. Our series verse comes out of... Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 6, and it says this, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better, better to have not as much but a lot more peace than to have everything. Your life feels full. It feels like you don't have any time to... Your schedule is so full, but that's accompanied by toil and chasing after the wind, it's stress comes along with it. So it's better to just have one handful of life, leave some margin, and have some peace. So today, we're going to be talking about the subject of chasing approval. Chasing approval. If you guys uh, have your message notes this morning, you can take those out. And uh, if you did anybody over here, do you guys have message notes on this side? You guys do? Okay, cool. If you don't have any, raise your hand and we'll try to get you some if you want them, okay? Um, But today we are talking about the subject of chasing approval. You guys don't know anybody like that, right? You guys don't know anybody that just lives for people's approval. Like, you don't know anybody that... um, Actually, go ahead. If you know someone, or maybe you are someone, um, don't tell on yourself though, but if you know someone that just lives for the approval of others, go ahead and raise your hand. Let me see your hands if you just know somebody like that. If you're sitting next to them, don't tell them you're raising their hand about them. Um, But yeah, I would say that most of us would know somebody, some of it is ourselves, that we would know somebody that lives their life just continually grasping for the approval of other people. And we can all agree, like when, when we talk about approval, we can all agree that it's not healthy to live a life chasing after the approval of other people, but yet... We still do it. We still do it. <laughs> Let me t- I'm going to tell you a funny story. I'm going to tell it myself. Um, so I was in middle school. All right. That's how every good story starts. I was in middle school. Um, and this was like my first time ever like hanging out with some cool kids. Like I was kind of a nerd. <laughs> yeah. 
that's a shock, right? Um, yeah, you're like, you're still a nerd. All right, cool. Thank you. Um, but it was my first time hanging out with, with some people that I considered cool, and we went to the fair. And, uh, you know, like, I grew up in Florida and in Columbia County when you... Um, when you're, when you're cool, you go to the fair with a group of, of people. I don't know if it's like that here, but you, I, it was my first time going with this group of people. And so I just wanted them to think I was cool because I kind of wanted to be in the inner circle, you know. And this, this, this fair had this ride called the Orbitron 3000. That should have been enough that I stayed away. It wasn't. It had the Orbitron 3000. And this thing was like shaped like a UFO. Like it's shaped like a UFO. And you step into this disc and these walls raise up and it just spins really fast. Like in place it just spins. And then the, more, the faster that it spins, like it holds you to the wall with the G-force. You're just stuck against the wall. And this thing that you lay on, you lay on this pad, and it would move up and down based on how fast it's going. If it goes real fast, it starts moving moving you up the wall and it slows down you start moving and you get stuck like a like a bug on the grill of a mustang roaring down the interstate you know you're just stuck to the wall and uh you like i so i got on this ride right and i looked around and which was very hard to do by the way like just even to turn your head it was really tough to do and i started looking around and then there's these people that I noticed that started doing like these tricks. Like they, you can tell they were Orbitron veterans, okay? Like they're starting to do these tricks. Like they'd stand up straight off perpendicular to the wall and they'd just like, I don't know, they'd, it would be like they're standing straight out. And, and I was like, man, that looks, that looks really cool. I don't know how they did it. Probably like teenage hormones gave them like supernatural strength or whatever, but they stood straight out off the wall. And I'm looking around, I was like, That's, that looks cool. And so people, I wanted people to think I was cool too. So of course, you see where this is going. I, uh, I tried this trick where I'd, I got my legs under me. I started standing up and I was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. People are going to think I'm so cool. And then I had my moment of weakness. And one of my legs buckles. And I tell you what, I get slapped back to that wall with the force of Muhammad Ali. Just boom. I'm talking my head slapped back. My back hurts. I'm... I'm like 12 years old, my back's hurting, I'm slapped to the wall. I didn't bust my head somehow, I was still alive. And suddenly, I didn't care as much about looking cool because I was really embarrassed about how bad I looked at the time. And I was the most uncool person on that ride. But we got off the ride, and I walked off, my head hung down. All the girls walking by avoid eye contact with me. It was the nightmare of the teenage existence. And I look at my friends, and they say, who wants to go again? So we went again. I don't know why. And we went again and again and again. And I think we did it four or five times before we were done. And this last time I came off this ride, like I was staggering, like... I, didn't, I hadn't even had a sip of alcohol in my life before that, but it felt like it. You know, I'm just staggering. I can't take it anymore. And I just spew candied apple everywhere. And I've never ridden that ride since. No more Orbitron 3000 for me. But I was in such a rush to earn people's approval that I threw away any wisdom or sensibility that I had. 
Like I was in such a rush to, to gain popularity with people that I just threw away wisdom. I was like, you know what, forget it. I'll write it again. I'm sure some of you guys have stories like that. Um, usually you do something dumb because you're trying to impress a girl. Um, or uh, maybe you want to fit in with your friend group, so you just you go along with it. You, know? you just go along with whatever they're doing. Or maybe like me, you ride the Orbitron 3000 over and over and over again until you just throw up everywhere. Um, I have other stories about uh, fighting for people's approval that end uh, in me throwing up. But uh, I will save those for another another time. You guys know, high school parties, you know, you get it, you get it. I wasn't always saved, all right? And, uh, but in our pursuit to win people's approval, we usually end up throwing away any sense of self-control or self-discipline because we get overcome by this thought of being cool or fitting in. There are a lot of kids out there these days that they are doing whatever it takes to fit in. They are changing who they are. They're changing what they look like. They're changing how they talk, how they sound, who they hang with, because they have this overwhelming desire to fit in. And parents, we have to let them know that they're accepted by us before they get to that point. You've got to let your kids know that you love them and that you accept them, or else they're going to be reaching out and trying to find it somewhere else. And it's usually not good, okay? Off of my off of my soapbox, but if they don't get if people if they don't get accepted acceptance from you, they're gonna find it somewhere else, and it's just like us. We try everything that we can do to get people's approval. In fact, uh, Proverbs chapter twenty nine verse twenty five it warns us of this. It warns us that um, it says this that the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. See, this Hebrew word, because your Bible wasn't, I just want to let you know, your Bible wasn't originally written in English, okay? It, it wasn't written in English. It's crazy to think about. It was actually the, the Old Testament, the first half of your Bible, um, was written in Hebrew, the Aramaic language, the Hebrew, like the Israelites speak it. And then the second half, the second part of the New Testament was written in Greek, um, and so these two languages that they're communicating in, it's important sometimes that we kind of dig into what does the word here actually mean, okay? And there's some free resources that uh, if you want to have a conversation about how do I find these words, stuff like that, we can talk and I'll point you to some websites and stuff. But your, your Bible, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew where Proverbs was, was written here. And this Hebrew word for snare, it is uh, the word mokesh. Mokesh. And what it means, it means a hook or a noose. Uh, when it says a snare, it's like a trap. Um, it's, the, it's like the net that you step into and it yanks you up into the trees. You guys ever seen that? Or um, it's the, the bait on the end of the fishing hook. Or it's the cheese that sits on the mousetrap. That's mokesh. And this, this fear of man, this searching for people's approval, guys, it looks tempting. Like, that cheese looks good until you step on the platform. You know what I mean? Like, it looks, the, the bait looks good on the hook. You guys ever seen that SpongeBob episode? Just me, just grabbing the hook. And, all right, whatever. Um, but it looks tempting. It looks good. But in the end, it turns out to be a trap. And this is what it's like living for people's approval. And I want you to write this down this morning, that if you live for man's approval, you will die by their criticism. 
If you live for man's approval, that means that they can destroy you with their criticism. There's two stories in the Bible that I want to look at this morning. There's two people that were presented with this temptation to live for man's approval, but they handled it in completely different ways. Their names are Saul and Daniel. And so let's start with Saul, okay? Let's start with him. You can, you can find this story in 1 Samuel chapter 15. It's not going to be on the screens, but I urge you, I encourage you to go read it after I'm done, okay? Don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. 1 uh, Samuel Chapter 15. So the story is like this, that Saul was actually the very first king that God appointed over Israel. He was the chosen dude. And God appointed him over Israel as king. And so God commanded Saul to go and wipe out this people group called the Amalekites. Because in the Old Testament, life was a lot different. Okay, He's like wiping out nations and stuff like that. But um, anyway, we can talk about that later. But there's this people group called the Amalekites. And God said, hey, go wipe them out. And don't leave anything. Destroy it all. And so Saul goes in and this army of Israel just decimates the Amalekites. They wipe out everything. Nothing is spared except this guy named King Agag. And then there's like cattle and sheep and basically the things that felt good to the Israelites. Like they could use it for their benefit. Like cattle, sheep, uh, th- and it says the Bible actually says that it was they spared uh, the things that were good for them, and so Saul, that the the Israelites saw this, they're like, hey, we we could use that stuff, and Saul caved to the pressure, and eventually Saul was confronted by God's prophet named Samuel, who the book is named after, and and Saul said, he saw him, he said, hey, we've carried out God's instructions. And Samuel's like, then why do I hear sheep and cows? (laughs) If you carried out his instructions, why do I hear sheep and cows, sheep bleating and cows mooing? And then Saul said this to Samuel in verse 24. Saul said, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. See, Saul lived for his men's approval, and as a result, he compromised his values of serving God to the fullest, and ultimately, he paid the price. God removed him as king of Israel. He lost everything that he had because of a moment of giving in to the fear of man. He gave in to the fear of people. Then we have this guy named Daniel. And Daniel, you can find this story in Daniel chapter 6, okay? You might have heard it in Sunday school um, if, you, if you were ever there. Uh, but Daniel was, um, he was, a, he was a, taken as a boy from Israel, and he's put into slavery in this nation called Babylon. And uh, throughout his time there, Daniel actually distinguished himself in really cool ways to where um, he, he distinguished himself enough that eventually he rose so high through the ranks that the king, King Darius, had plans to set Daniel over the entire kingdom. Like he was going to be the dude that oversaw the entire thing he, as he rose through the ranks. And so obviously the other uh, officials, the high officials, they got jealous of Daniel. They didn't like him so much. So they made a plan to take him down. So they buttered up King Darius and they made him make a law that for the next 30 days, if anyone prays to any god other than him, King Darius would have them thrown into a den of lions, which is a very harsh punishment. And they made him agree to the fact that, okay, you can never take this back once you've said it. 
I don't know how dumb King Darius was, but he must have felt real buttered up. Um, but uh, he made this law because the thing is, King Darius loved Daniel. Like he loved him, like real, real close to him. And Daniel learned of this law that just went into effect. That if anybody prays to any other god other than King Darius, then they'll be thrown into a pit of lions. And Daniel prayed. Daniel, he learned of this. And the Bible says that he immediately went back home. And guess what he did? He knelt in front of his window, open, open window, knelt in front of his window where he prayed three times a day. And he prayed and gave thanks to God. And it says in the Bible, just like he had done before. He didn't cave to the pressure. And so, of course, the jealous officials reported this to King Darius. And the king hated it, but he couldn't go back on his law. And so he had Daniel thrown in this lion's den. And he's like, I sure hope that your God saves you. That's basically what he said. And he threw him this, this lion's den. And he, the, he woke up the next morning real early. And he rushed over there because he was concerned about Daniel. Because there was like a stone rolled over this lion's den. So he couldn't have gotten out. And he, uh, he moved that stone away. And uh, he found that Daniel was still alive. God had sent angels to, sh- to physically shut the mouths of these lions that were in the den in order to protect Daniel because Daniel was found approved in God's sight. Daniel chapter 6, verse 23 says this, that the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in God. See, Saul lost everything because he feared people more than he feared God. But Daniel was kept safe because he trusted in God more than he feared people. And this is a great representation of that scripture that we just read in Proverbs. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord, like Daniel, is kept safe. So let me give you some good news. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, if, if, if you've prayed and you've made Him your Savior, you're saved, okay? And that means that you are approved by God. See, we don't have to worry about people's approval because we only have one person we really need to worry about their approval, that is God. And if you're saved, if you've, if you've uh, given your life to Jesus, you are found approved In God's sight, there's nothing more that you have to do. You don't have to fight for God's approval. The moment that you put your faith in Jesus, you're approved. You have gotten God's approval. And I know that because uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one that the Lord commends. So, basically... If you've given your life, it's just, it's just restating. If you've given your life to Jesus, if, if you found yourself uh, walking toward God in this relationship with Him, God has approved you. The one that God commends is you, and you have God's approval. So what does it mean for us to have God's approval? What does it mean? Three, three things this morning. Number one, it means that your past is forgiven. Your past is is forgiven. Psalm chapter 103 verses 11 and 12 say this, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, 
So far he has he removed our transgressions from us. The sin that you've committed, the bad things that you've done. Guys, if you love Jesus, he's removed it as far as the east is from the west. With, it's immeasurable. That, what does that mean? It, it doesn't mean or it, it, excuse me, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how bad you've lived. The moment that you put your faith and trust in the sacrifice of Jesus, God removes your sin. And guess what? The Bible said that it's blotted out. That means that um, God has tipped over the bottle of ink on the paper, and your sins are no longer even legible to Him. Like the moment that you put your trust in Jesus, God can't even recall your sin. He's tipped over the ink and smeared it out. He's blotted it out. He's removed your sin as far as the east is from the west, and He's not going to bring them back up again. So I know some of you this morning are shameful. Some of you are broken. Some of you are carrying around the weight of your mistakes. But guess what? You need to let go of your past. You need to give yourself some grace. Let go of the baggage that you're carrying because God already has. God's already forgotten. So let yourself breathe. Quit bringing it back up because God never will. Your past is forgiven because you are approved by God. Number two, so if your past is forgiven, number two, your present, your present, your current state is empowered. Your present is empowered. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says this, and this is from the words of Jesus to his disciples, which is transferable to us today. If you find yourself as a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, His words are for you today. Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, you don't have to go to Jerusalem or Judea. You can just do it where you live. But the moment that the Holy Spirit comes on you, and the Holy, the, here's what happens. The, your present is empowered because God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, okay? Who is the Holy Spirit? Some of you probably have never even heard of that name before. The Holy Spirit is God. You're like, wait a second, I thought God was God. Well, let me tell you, okay? The Holy Spirit, God exists as three distinct beings, three distinct beings that serve different purposes, but they all function together as God. The best way that I can explain it is kind of like the U.S. government, We have three different branches of the government, but they all function together as the government. This is how God works. We have the Father, who is the one that you usually refer to as God. Then you have the Son, who is Jesus. And then you have the Holy Spirit, who's equal with the other two. So there's not distinguished levels here. They're all God together. And so the Holy Spirit is God. And He's a gift that God has given us to empower us in this Life. The Holy Spirit is God that chooses to inhabit you from the moment that you make this step of faith and make Jesus the Lord of your life. At that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. And He gives, the Bible says that it gives life to you. The moment that the Holy Spirit's in you, your spirit is brought from death 
to life. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't existing before that, like your, your spirit was dead. But the Holy Spirit, when they, get, when they get connected, it links it up and it gives, he gives you life on the inside. And this is how salvation happens for us, is that the Holy Spirit renews us in the deepest part of our being. And so the Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. He gives us these special enablements in order to live a life that is abundant, a life that is successful, a life that truly makes a difference, a life that's empowered by His Spirit. See, God doesn't save you and leave you all alone. That's not how He works. He, we learned in December that He is God with us, and He remains with us. And so from the moment that you make Jesus the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit remains with you forever. He lives in you forever. Guess what? Even if you go to the bar, the Holy Spirit's still with you. God forbid, even if you go to the strip club, don't do it. But the Holy Spirit doesn't stay at the door Like, the Holy Spirit is with you. Jesus said He will abide with you forever. Every move you make, every step you take, I'll be watching you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But seriously, when you give your life to Jesus, thank you. Yes, got one. From the moment that the, the Holy Spirit is with you, everywhere that you go, He's going When you sleep, He's with you. When you wake, He's with you. When you wake up early in the morning to eat your morning Wheaties, if they still make those, He's with you. When you make the commute to work, you probably need Him a little extra then. He's he's with you. And when you're on the job site giving it everything that you've got, the Holy Spirit is with you, empowering you, and enabling you to live this life to the best of His ability and not yours. See, the Holy Spirit, when I have the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make me better than me. Or, 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 excuse me, it doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. When I have the Holy Spirit, He empowers me to live a life that's beyond my own grasp. And so, uh, life, when you get saved, guys, it doesn't get easier. Ask anybody that's gotten saved. Sometimes it gets harder. But life doesn't get easier, but the way that you handle it does. Because now you have a power from on high that's equipping you with the power to live out this life and to be successful and to be fulfilled. See, each of you has a purpose in life. You're like, I hear you say that all the time. Well, I need you to understand. You have a purpose that no one else can fulfill. You are the puzzle piece that's missing. And you're the only piece that can fit. God has a purpose for you. And I'm going to say it until I'm blue in the face face because I need you to hear. I need you to understand that. And I'm so passionate about helping people discover the purpose that they were created for. And so I'm going to make the pitch again. I would really encourage you at some point, spend two hours with me at Pathway, please. Not for my benefit. I could care less about the numbers. I'll sit one-on-one if you're the only one that shows up. I want to help you discover the purpose that God created you for because there are specific, unique gifts and talents that God has put in you to accomplish the things that God has called you to. Not that God has called me to, but that God has called you to. There's something special about you that God has put in there and He just wants you to use it to make a difference in this world. So when you are approved by God... Your present, your present state, your life now is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then number three, number three. So number one, 
Your past is forgiven. Number two, your present is empowered. And then number three, your future is secure. Your future is secure. John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26 says this. Jesus said to her, he's talking to uh, this lady named Martha, same one we learned about last week that was freaking out because he was over for dinner. Um, Jesus is saying to Martha in this moment, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who who believes in me will live even though they die. (laughs) You're like, what in the world, Jesus? And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. See, trusting in Jesus, being approved by God, means that your future is secure. You don't have to worry about what happens after death. Like, that's a big question, right? Where do I go after death? If you found yourself in Jesus, you don't have to worry about where you're going. If your faith is placed in Jesus, your future is secure. You're never going to taste death. You're like, wait, when I get saved, you mean I'm not going to die? Let me reframe your perspective here. When we talk about death, I want you to reframe it, not in the point of, um, I want you to shift your perspective from death, meaning ceasing to exist, and I want you to shift it to death, meaning an existence apart from God, because that's what the true meaning of death is. It's this existence separated from God. The reality is that your existence is never going to end. It's never going to end. You're going to live forever somewhere. You're going to exist for, excuse me, you're not going to live forever. You're, you're going to exist somewhere forever. But it's your choice whether it's in life or whether it's in death. If death is the separation from God, life is being united with Him. You're going to be present somewhere after you pass from this earth. And you have the choice to exist with God, experiencing all of the goodness that He has to offer with no evil, no sadness, no destruction, only good. Or to exist apart from God and be present in an eternity of torment with no glimpse of anything good. You look around, you can't find it. Now listen, I'm not trying to scare you this morning, okay? I promise I'm not going to. Because here's the the reality. If I can scare you into heaven the moment that you feel safe, you're going to abandon your faith. I've seen it over and over and over. That's why people don't stick with it. But if I can tell you this, that God loves you so much that he's made a way for you to exist with him forever. If your heart is captivated by God's love, that's never going to fail. It's going to be a lot harder to walk away from that kind of God. See, you've heard over and over probably in your life that God can't wait to punish you and send you to hell where you'd belong. You've probably heard it your whole life. I know some of us <laughs> have heard, <laughs> probably heard it in the last week. I'm not telling myself, but I have. Um, but the reality is this, that God's not waiting for you to mess up so he can send you to hell. God's waiting for you to accept this free gift that he's offering you so you don't have to go there. Like you have the choice to exist with God forever. Guys, hell wasn't even created for people. 
God didn't create hell for man. God created hell as an eternal place of torment for Satan. When Jesus comes back and reigns again, that that's going to be the place that Satan and his fallen angels go, separated from God forever. Unfortunately, that's where we end up if we don't start this relationship with God here on earth. Because God can't live together with unrighteousness, unholiness, impurity. But the good news that we learned today is that the moment that you place your faith in Jesus, you're made righteous, you're made pure, you're made whole, and God can live with you forever. What I'm telling you is that God has offered you an opportunity for everlasting life, and He wants to give it to you. He wants to. But He's not going to force it on you because God loves you so much to offer you the choice. See, true love can't exist without a choice. People that are held captive can't truly love their captors when they don't have a choice to get away. The question that I always get, I get asked because everybody wants to ask about this. Um, if God knew that Adam and Eve were going to eat from the tree and then sin was going to permeate mankind for all time, why did God create the tree? And I'll tell you why. Because He had to give the option of choice. God created, God made the tree because without the tree, Adam and Eve wouldn't have a choice to serve Him. They would be obligated to. They would have to. But God gives us the benefit of choice. And this morning, He's given you a choice. And the choice isn't heaven or hell. Guys, the choice is, will you just take this free life that God is wanting to give to you? And here's even better news. The moment that you make this choice to receive this free life that God has for you, there's nothing that you have to worry about snatching it away from you. As long as you live in a relationship with God, your sins are covered. Your eternity in heaven is secure. Your life here on the earth will be victorious. It's one of the benefits of being in the family. But you got to stay in the family. As long as you live in relationship with God, you can't sin your way out of heaven. I'm going to be very bold when I say that. If you leave here today, if you give your life to Jesus here and you leave here today and you cuss at the dude on the way out the parking lot, it's not saved, lost, saved, lost, saved, lost, saved, unsaved. When you give your life to Jesus and you give, give your heart to Him and try to live in relationship with Him, your sins are covered as long as you're in relationship with Him. You can't sin your way out of heaven because you didn't righteous yourself into it. If you can't earn your way in, you can't see your way out. It's a free gift that God offers each one of us. He gives us the choice. See, we live in God's approval for one reason. One reason only. Because Jesus lived a perfect life and gave us His benefits. Not because I earned it. Not because I lived a great life. But because Jesus did. You can't earn it. You can't earn God's approval. 
Jesus earned God's approval for you. Those of us that accept, have accepted this invitation from God to have an eternal relationship with Him, we have God's approval. We have God's acceptance. And we have all the blessings that go along with those. We have the opportunity for a future that is secure, not because of us, but because of the goodness of God. Not because of the good things that I have done, but the good things that God has done for me. Because of the goodness of God, we can live in all that God has for us. And it can start today. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.